Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Picking up where we left off yesterday. Welcome back into Mike in the Morning. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you guys are with me. Yeah, I've I had to abruptly end the show yesterday, so I'm going to pick up with one last thought on the uh, returning production thing. There's an interesting nugget when you look at returning production in terms of this season in college football. We'll get to that. And also, traditional powers. Traditional powers in college football. Everybody likes to talk about traditional powers. And there was a graphic that was put out online yesterday that had a list of traditional powers and the next one to win a national championship. And none of them are actually powers in college football anymore. So we'll get to all that right here on the show this morning. Also, if there's time, hockey may be returning to Mississippi at the professional level. That, that could be happening, so we'll talk about that after the college football stuff, of course. And off the bat, I do want to remind you, if you are a first-time watcher or listener, you can find this basically everywhere, but most importantly, find me on YouTube. That name right there, just search my name on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, ring the notification bell so you know when I go live, whenever I go live. During football season, we'll do a lot of weekend stuff as well. You don't want to miss those, so it's just... For now, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m., but on the weekends during football season and beyond, a lot of content coming your way. Also, wherever you get your podcast, this gets uploaded there. Leave a rating and a review after you subscribe. Search either that, Mike in the Morning, or my name should turn up results. Facebook as well. Like my Facebook page. You can find me there. More content coming on Facebook as well. A lot to do here. Uh, around here if you're watching for the first time. I appreciate you guys tuning in. This does happen every day, Monday through Friday, right at about 8 a.m. every morning. Uh, morning, Michael. Business of sports and a rabid tear in baseball from Tuesday stream to be covered. People don't forget. Yeah, okay, so I'll drop the 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 sports business thing first, actually, because I do think this is fascinating. College football conversation coming, but this is interesting to me, and I've ignored it for two days, and I want to just tell you guys about it and just kind of leave it up to you. So Amazon, as you guys know, has gone through a leadership change. There is a new CEO at Amazon. Jeff Bezos is going to live the rest of his life on a $100 million yacht or whatever he's going to do. Jeff Bezos could buy every football, basketball, and baseball team in this country. He could buy them all with how much money he's got. Anyway, so Andy Jassy has taken over of CEO of Amazon. So why does that matter? Why why should you care? What does that mean? Andy Jassy is a self-described big sports fan. He is a part owner in the new NHL team going to Seattle. He has worked for Amazon Web Services this whole time. That's what he's been over. Uh, Amazon Web Services before he's now become CEO. Amazon Web Services brought $13.5 billion in net sales in the first quarter of this year, 
and they provide data and computation services to the NFL, the NHL, the PGA Tour, the Bundesliga, which is the German, uh, the highest level uh, of German club soccer. That's where Christian Pulisic played for a while for, for Dortmund, uh, Formula One, and NASCAR. He is a, also a part owner in the Seattle Storm, the WNBA team there in Seattle as well. I have often thought that Amazon, although they're dipping their toes into sports rights fees, uh, they are going to be the exclusive owners of Thursday Night Football, as you guys know. Uh, A pretty significant deal there. But I think this is the beginning of what's going to be a large influence that Amazon will have on sports and sports programming. I think Amazon is going to start buying up rights fees to football and baseball and everywhere, and Amazon Prime will soon be the deliverer of the majority of your sports. They have a market cap that is bigger than any other media company, and now they've got a sports-minded guy at the top. You're going to start seeing the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA on Amazon. Watch. I know these contracts are years out and stuff like that, but they're going to start buying up these rights fees and Amazon Prime, their digital properties are going to be a partner in sports rights. So that's what I've been saving for two days, JP. I'm sorry it's taken that long, but Amazon's new CEO is a sports guy. It's a sports guy, and they're going to start buying up sports rights. But you guys are here for the college football conversation. I'm going to pick right up where I left off yesterday. I've got one final thought on this uh, returning production thing that I think it might at least be a little interesting to you guys. So returning production in college football is up higher than really it's ever been because of COVID and the extra year and stuff like that. A lot of players that were seniors didn't necessarily have to go find something else to do. They get to return. Mohamed Sonogo for Ole Miss. Mohamed Sonogo is an example of a guy that without COVID last year would have been his last year and he would not have gone to the NFL. He's not an NFL player, but productive college linebacker, got some starts last year, got to return. So the percentage of production returning in college football is higher really than it's ever been. But how? try this on for size. Everybody thinks that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, it's just one of those five teams that are going to win the national championship. I'm not going to try to argue with you and tell you that that is not the case. I am not convinced that anybody else has a chance. I think maybe Oregon could uh, could be a surprise out of the Pac-12. I think Oregon is a potential uh, 11-1 kind of team. They have a game with Ohio State. That's going to be fascinating. I think if they win that game, they are going undefeated. Even if they lose that game, though, I think out of the Pac-12, if they can find a way to run the table the rest of the way, which they're entirely capable of doing, they could be a um, a playoff contender. But how about this? In terms of returning production, those five powers that everybody thinks is going to be the college football playoff, right? It's always them. Here's where they rank in terms of returning production. Ohio State, out of 127, is 125th in college football and returning production. Notre Dame, throw them in there, why not, is 124th in college football, and returning production. Alabama is 123rd in college football in returning production. You 
scroll up just a little bit. Georgia, 110th in college football and returning production. And that doesn't factor in the two wide receiver injuries that they had around spring practice. So Georgia is even less than that. Uh, the team that's in the best shape is Oklahoma. They returned 76%, but that's good for 73rd in college football. The, the the traditional powers, the real traditional powers in college football, the ones that everybody expects to be playoff teams this year, those teams return the least. Those teams had the most turnover. Those are the ones that are having to replace the most, and that also includes coaches in some cases. Uh, Alabama's replacing a quarterback, the most important position. Clemson is, but I, like I said yesterday, I think they're set up just fine uh, with DJ. Everybody talks about how, well, there's, you know, one of my colleagues on the radio show says, well, there just has to be a drop-off from Trevor Lawrence. There just has to be. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know how you can watch DJ play and say that there has to be a drop-off from Trevor Lawrence. I think DJ Uyongalile, close enough, is as talented, if not more talented, than Trevor Lawrence and is ready-made right now to be just as productive, if not more. Watching him in his limited action showed you everything you need to know about that kid. Uh, He's there. He's ready. He's ready to be that guy for sure. But Ohio State's replacing a quarterback. Oklahoma's the only traditional power that had their quarterback start every game last season, with Daniels returning for Georgia as well. But that's one layer to this. And Patrick, you're right. I'm being intentionally obtuse to this fact right here. Patrick says the majority of Alabama football players are five stars. That's why they always pick up where they leap off. Yeah, yeah. that is true. <laughs> it's uh, it's easy when you're replacing a five-star guy with another five-star guy. Makes things a lot easier for Alabama, for sure. But, I mean, this still is, I mean, the SEC, major college football. Alabama does play Miami in the first week. You know, when you're breaking in a new quarterback, a new system, a new scheme, new weapons, albeit elite-level weapons, could be a potential slip-up. Ohio State's going to Minnesota in week one. Where is Minnesota on this list, just for reference? I don't think Minnesota has a chance in hell at beating Ohio State, but Minnesota returns 90% of their production last year. 90%. You're telling me that Ohio State with a new quarterback that they haven't decided on yet, by the way, it's a three-horse race for the quarterback position at Ohio State. You're telling me they're just going to waltz on into Minneapolis and just cruise to a win with all of this turnover? I don't think so. I don't think so. Like I said yesterday, this is a factor, but it's, it's very interesting to me that the best programs, the ones that everybody talks about, These are the playoff teams, no doubt. It's going to be one of these five. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and then there's a drop-off before you start talking about anybody else. At least that's how most people feel. All of those teams are replacing a lot. Oklahoma is going to be heavily dependent on the transfer portal, and everybody loves Spencer Rattler. He's a great talent. He was a turnover machine last year. He was not great last year. He's very talented, very talented. But if he doesn't clean up the turnovers, they're not winning anything of value. 
You're not winning anything of value at all. So early in the season, the best programs in college football, the real actual powers, and I'll get to the traditional power thing here in a second, but the real actual powers of college football return the least and are replacing quarterbacks in all but one case. That's something. I say I should say all but two cases because Daniels started at the end of the year. But Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, all new quarterbacks. That means something even if it's negligible and it doesn't matter and they all run the table and meet in the playoff anyway. It does mean something, I think. Back to the comments, JP says, okay, so instead of a separate streaming service for each league, potentially we won't have to pay Bally, Peacock, and whoever. Screams Monopoly on sports, but it would be so much easier. That's what I want Amazon to do. Bally is going to launch an app soon. I mean, I've seen it written in multiple places. It appears that that will be coming for next year where you will have to pay a pretty hefty fee but you can watch any team that has a Bally Sports property. So this year, I couldn't watch the Pelicans unless it was on a pirated live stream on the internet through a website uh, that had illegal streams. That's the only way I could watch them. Same thing if you're a Grizzlies fan or an Atlanta Braves fan. You can't watch the Braves right now unless you have like one particular television package. Bally's going to get rid of all that. And uh, you'll get an all-encompassing lineup for like $23 a month or something like that. It's hefty, but at least you'll be able to watch your team and any other team that you want to watch that is in their property. I wish Amazon would just buy all that up and just have Amazon Sports and just buy everybody else out of the market. They would make a killing because live sports is the only thing valuable anymore in television. And they've got the market. They've got the capital to do it. One of their ventures did $13.5 billion in revenue in the first quarter this year. (laughs) I mean, come on. Um, You say, so either depth will shine and this list doesn't apply to those, or those five are screwed and a new bracket of four teams is coming our way in January. Charts are black and white, right? (laughs) Um. Minnesota has Mr. Mississippi in football on their roster. A pay dirt magnet and the kid uh, Wally from D'Iberville. Yeah, Jaden Wally's brother uh, signed with Minnesota. I don't know how hard. I don't think Ole Miss went at him hard at all. Uh, I don't know how hard Mississippi State went after him either. It's an interesting deal. If he goes to Minnesota and tears it up, there will be some regret around here. But I don't think he was all that heavily recruited. Uh, from the in-state schools. I could be wrong, but I, I don't I don't think he was. So, either way. Traditional powers. That's what you guys are here for today. And, and it's really ranting. This is an old man yells at cloud rant for me. Because at the end of the day, is this graphic consequential at all? No, it's not. But I want to show you something that was put out there by the lead recruiting expert at Rivals, Mike Farrell. This is a graphic that he put out there yesterday about traditional powers. Let me share my screen with you so you guys watching can see this. All right, so this is the graphic. Can you see that? Yeah, you can see that. For those of you in podcast form, it says, who's next? Which traditional power will win a title next? And it's got four teams with the national championship trophy right in the middle. And it's Nebraska, Tennessee, Michigan, and Notre Dame. That's that's the list of, quote, traditional powers 
that Mike Farrell is wondering who's going to win a championship next. Here's the thing. Uh, Notre Dame's a bit of an exception here because at least Notre Dame can make the playoffs. Now, every time they've made the college football playoff or a significant bowl game in the modern era, they've gotten absolutely smoked because in most cases they don't belong. They didn't belong in the playoff last year at all. Uh, Texas A&M belonged in the playoff, and that is not a hindsight thing. I said that going into the playoff, that Notre Dame only got in because of their name, Notre Dame, and they didn't want to throw a second SEC team in. Texas A&M deserved the playoff spot over Notre Dame. They would have been more competitive in the first round than Notre Dame was. They didn't belong on the field. That's not the first time this has happened, but at least they get there, right? Notre Dame, as opposed to Nebraska, Tennessee, and Michigan, at least Notre Dame actually gets to this place. They actually get to the playoffs. They actually have good seasons where they win a bunch of games and are rightfully, at least in the conversation, of a playoff spot. At least they get there. But what what kills me about college football, and basically what I'm getting at, is the media, us, although I barely count, uh, we have not caught up to reality in the college football landscape now. There is there's what people think college football is and what college football is. They're separate from each other. And the, the media, the traditional media, older people that cover college football for a living, have not caught up to what is reality in college sports right now, specifically college football. They have not caught up because this graphic, for somebody that was based in reality, this graphic wouldn't exist. Who's next? What traditional power? And that that's the phrase that really kills me, traditional power. What constitutes a traditional power anymore? Because I'm 29 years old, guys. I'm not young. I'm not particularly old either. I don't remember. I know Tennessee won a national championship. Michigan shared one since I've been alive. But I don't remember because I was playing in sandboxes at the time. I was six years old when Tennessee won their national championship. I don't remember. I do not remember in my life a time where Nebraska football was was a power, was good, was winning anything of value. I don't remember a time in my life where Tennessee was good, was anything other than a dumpster fire. I remember one year where Michigan was number two or number one, and when they went to Ohio State, they lost, and and that was it. But Michigan has not won anything at all of value since I can remember, since I've been alive. It's been a couple of decades since Nebraska, Tennessee, and Michigan have been worth a damn. At least Notre Dame's getting there, but they're not competitive when they get there. So how long do these teams get before we stop calling them traditional powers? Because what about Nebraska football is a power right now? They have a beautiful stadium and they fill it with fans every Saturday. That happens in a lot of places. What about Nebraska football or Tennessee football or Michigan football is a power? Nothing. Nothing about them. Tennessee's best NFL player right now is a guy they didn't think was good enough to start in the SEC. Like, Tennessee's biggest program selling point right now is Alvin Kamara, and they didn't even play him. They didn't think he was good enough. Now he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. The shift has occurred, and people like Mike Farrell haven't caught up to it yet. 
Nebraska, I don't think, will ever become a power again. Ever. The playing, all jokes aside, the playing field has shifted and leveled some. Nebraska, 30 years ago, used to be the greatest program in college football, right? 40 years ago, even. They were the best. I think their ability to acquire talent has changed. I think the gap between Nebraska and Ole Miss and Mississippi State is continuing to do this. In fact, they might even be on the same tier. I would argue that they're on the same tier of of jobs, and you can make a case that the SEC jobs are better, but they're on the same tier, and there are people that have been covering the sport for longer than have been alive would roll their eyes at that and call me crazy. But what about the programs today tells you that Nebraska is a better program, a better job than Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Give me a tangible metric, not something that happened 30 years ago. I'm talking about right now. What about the state of the programs right now today says that Nebraska and Ole Miss or Mississippi State are different jobs? Tell me why. I don't think anybody really can. Oh, well, you know, they want, they have more national championships. They have a history of success. The history of success doesn't matter if the current players were not alive the last time you won anything. You're recruiting kids to go to Nebraska right now, and you're showing them rings from when their dads were kids. They weren't alive to see any of this. They weren't alive to see any of it. Michigan in 2006 was undefeated, lost to Ohio State. Yeah, that's the year I was thinking of. It's a heck of a game, but ended up not winning anything. UT won with Price, not Manning, and a lot of kids don't know that. Nebraska, well, my Eagles have pinned them since their last title. That leaves Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the only one that, um, that that's the exception to this rule here. He said, Holtz, Quinn, Zibby, nor that Jeff, Samarja are walking through that door at Notre Dame. Um, I mean, they still... They're able to recruit pretty well. I mean, I mean, Notre Dame belongs still. It's different, though. It's different now, without a doubt. But what constitutes a traditional power? That, that mindset also bleeds into recruiting, and I'm glad that that aspect of it is over. I, I saw somebody make the joke yesterday morning about um, Ole Miss cheating, you know. Tennessee signs a five-star. And nobody bats an eye. Tennessee hasn't been good in two decades. It's a dumpster fire there right now. 25 players have transferred out. They've got the NCAA scandal, whatever it is, coming. Self-inflicted. I mean, they reported it just to avoid paying a buyout of Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, Tennessee football is a disaster. But if they commit a five-star, it's... No big deal. Nobody bats an eye. Oh, that's Tennessee. But God forbid Lane Kiffin commit a high-profile player in this cycle. You'll get the same stuff that you always get. But who's been more successful? This applies to Mississippi State as well. If you look at the last 15 years, who's been more successful? Who's had a better program in the last 15 years? Tennessee, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State? Who's been better? Current recruits are 16 years old, right? 16, 17 years old. In their lifetime, who's been better? Nebraska, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State? Tennessee, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State? 
Michigan had that undefeated season until the last game of the year in 2006. But since then, what have they won? What have they won? They can't win their own division, which Ole Miss and State can't either, but they're in the same boat. The records are basically the same, but Ole Miss and Mississippi State have made access bowls in a tougher conference, in a tougher division. I'm just saying that this concept of traditional powers is dated. It's wrong. And the the further we are separated from Nebraska and Michigan and Tennessee from success, the more people should start realizing that maybe the landscape has changed. That maybe it's not about what you did before these kids were born and how many championships you won when these kids' dads were 15 years old. But what are you right now? Because Clemson is not a traditional power. There is nothing traditional power about Clemson football. At all. They have one national championship in 1981, for the record. That is one year after Georgia's last national championship, by the way. 41 years ago, Georgia won their last national championship. Just throwing that out there. Um, But that was it. And ESPN called that year in college football. By the way, Clemson started the season unranked. The last team to start the season unranked to win a national championship was Clemson in 1981. But that was their only real success as a program. And ESPN, that that year called it the worst year in college football history. It was in their almanac or whatever they put out, but they called that the worst year in college football history. Last time Clemson won a national champion. And from 81 until Dabo Sweeney took over, Clemson football was bad. There's there's nothing traditional power about them. He took over, almost got fired. He was on the hot seat going into the 2010 season. And now here they are. Clemson was able to do that because the landscape has changed some. Traditional power means nothing anymore. What are you now? Are you an attractive program now? Throw the name, image, and likeness thing in there, and things have really uh, gotten different. But what are you now? That's what matters, and we're seeing that. What have you done for me lately? Oregon, there's nothing traditional power about Oregon. What has Oregon football won? Nothing but they're signing top 10 classes. They've got a team that can compete for a national championship this year. There's nothing traditional power about them. The landscape has changed. Landscape has changed. Tennessee's not a power in college football. Neither is Michigan, neither is Nebraska. And it's time for people in my business to start waking up to that. Things have changed some. Those programs aren't – Nebraska will not win a national championship. They they can't get the players anymore. They cannot get the players anymore. Will says, how did the ACC not force Notre Dame to join the conference for lending them a helping hand in 2020? That's a great question. Honestly, I don't understand that. I mean, it's not like Notre Dame's hurting for money, but joining the ACC would, would give them more. Their NBC deal is not great anymore. What was it, like $12 million a year? That's a lot of money, but that's not what the payouts from the conferences are are giving you. I don't know what Notre Dame's holdup is. I mean, I guess tradition or or, or whatever, but if I was the ACC, I'm with you. I don't know if I'd throw Notre Dame a bone anymore. You either join our conference or, or you're done. You got to play in the ACC championship. And then what? You get to go back to 
yeah, we're kind of in the ACC. We'll play you guys a few times a year, but no, we're too good for you kind of thing. Forget that. Forget that. The ACC doesn't need Notre Dame. They already have Clemson. They have Miami. They have Florida State. They'll be fine. They don't necessarily need Notre Dame. It would certainly help, but they don't need them. So, no, we won't do this agreement with you anymore. You won't get to be a ACC basketball or baseball team anymore. Go be independent there as well. Build your own schedule that way. You either join us or that's it. That's what I would have done. Barry says, to be fair to Notre Dame, who doesn't uh, who who doesn't Alabama blow off the field? Two teams? I, I mean, true, but when you're talking about college football power, Notre Dame didn't look like they belonged. And I think Texas A&M by the end of the season would have been more competitive with Alabama than Notre Dame was, personally. But that point is definitely not um, not invalid, for sure. Patrick says, I think with all the money that's going to start flowing through college football – we're going to see some surprise teams start winning games. Teams recruiting classes got in third. Teams Ole Miss. Hold on. I can't read. I cannot read. Uh, teams getting recruiting classes Ole Miss got in 2013. The playoff expansion, I've talked about it before with you guys. That will certainly help this, I think. With more access to the playoff, more players might be likely to sign with the non-traditional powers because they will have a chance to actually make the playoff. JP says, national titles, perennial conference champions, 10-win seasons, access bowls every three years. Great question, Bork. Why we don't question it at all. We just let these institutions hang on to the arbitrary titles. I mean, hell, Tennessee's not winning 10 games every year. Nebraska's not doing that either, or every three years. They're not going to access bowls. They haven't been to one. Tennessee hasn't been to an access bowl. Almost has been to two. Mississippi State's been to one. This is only since 2014. You're asking, so your vendetta against Georgia, haven't quite connected the dots of why you would enjoy reminding them of decades since their last title. Oh, it's only because there's an exceptionalism that comes with Georgia that I think uh, might not necessarily be warranted. Um, Because the way people talk about Georgia, you know, one of college football's elite programs, right? It's one of the best. It's, I hear people say it's the best job in college football. And, you know, maybe it is, right? And maybe it is. They've got everything. But then if it's such a great place, if it's so easy to win championships there, why don't they? Ohio State has multiple national championships since Georgia's last. Alabama has, oh gosh, uh, Half a dozen since Nick Saban's gotten there in the mid 2000s. Uh, Oklahoma has won since then. Georgia Tech has a national championship since then. Uh, and you've got somebody from The Athletic writing a book about how Kirby Smart has returned Georgia to glory. Well, when was glory? 41 years ago? That's all. I just, I poke fun at the idea that Georgia hasn't won a national championship because. Mostly, I have a couple friends that went there, and that really bothers them. You can't be one of the best programs in college football and not win a national championship in 40 years. That That's all. I, I kind of like, like picking on them uh, because of that. It's true. There's some semblance to truth to that, though. I know it's not easy to win a national championship, but you're if you're supposedly one of the top three conservatively programs in the sport, why haven't you won a championship in that sport? Why not? What's holding you back? 
Why is Alabama doing it? Why is Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma? Why are all these programs doing it? Why can't you? Why aren't you? Now that I've said that, they'll win it this year, but that's where that comes from. I just like having fun with the concept that Georgia has not won a championship since 1980. Ten years later than Georgia Tech's last national championship. (laughs) I love doing that. I absolutely love doing that. Hockey. Pro hockey might be returning to Mississippi. This is what I'll close with you today. Reading from WLBT. Apparently, ice hockey, professional ice hockey, is set to return to the Magnolia State. Uh, The Biloxi Hockey Organization announced this week, according to WLBT, that they are looking to bring the sport back to the Gulf Coast. Here's a quote from a release that the Biloxi Hockey Organization sent to the media on Wednesday. He said, we know the rich and long history that this great sport has here. We are proud to announce that this coming winter, the Mississippi Coast Coliseum will be hosting three neutral site minor league games. This is the first step in bringing pro hockey back to Biloxi. For hockey to return, we need to support these games with everything we have. Biloxi Hockey will release more information at a press conference next week inside the arena. And the event is open to the public. The Mississippi Seawolves first brought a professional hockey team to the Coliseum in 96. They called that uh, they called Biloxi home for more than a decade. They even won the Kelly Cup, which I've actually been to a Kelly Cup playoff game, just not in Biloxi. Um, and what would become an iconic memory for so many on the coast. After taking two seasons off following Hurricane Katrina, they ended their time on the coast. Um, so I'm going to reach out to these people. And um, see if they'll come on the radio show and talk to us about it. Because while I don't live in Biloxi, and so I won't really get to to benefit from that, minor league hockey is awesome. It's so much fun. And I do think that it would be supported on the coast. I hear all the time about the the Sea Wolves and how the hurricane really kind of disrupted you know, operations down there and and really led to some instability on the coast after that. And it was probably hard to support a niche sport like hockey in a time where people were rebuilding their homes, you know. Uh, But I want to see if we can help get that back because that's that would be awesome. And what a destination, too, for a minor league hockey player. You know, if you're you're going to be rolling around in the minors for a few years, uh, rather get stuck in Biloxi than Hartford, Connecticut, you know, (laughs) you'd have more fun on the coast for sure. So yeah, JP, you, uh, you must've heard the story too. He said, we're going to get a few minor league games this fall. Excited about that. We love our sea wolves. Um, the logo is sick too. So I'm going to reach out to this group and see if they'll talk to us on the radio show. Um, and see if there's any way we can help. I like the ja- I, the Jackson Bandit stuff. Uh, looks really, really good. I don't know if Jackson would support it the same way Biloxi would. Uh, but minor league hockey's awesome. I grew up on that stuff. I, I would go to Greenville Growl games, but with a bunch of R's. Here, I've got a puck, actually. Um, and it's from the Kelly Cup playoff game that I was talking about. See, bunch of R's. How goofy is that? The Greenville growl. But yeah, this was a, uh, a game-used puck in the Kelly Cup 
years and years and years ago. And one of my dogs back in the day got to it, actually. Uh, Tony, may he rest in peace. But um, that would be awesome. That would be awesome if we can uh, if we can get hockey back around here. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Traditional powers, ignore it. It's stupid. College football is not traditional power filled anymore. Tennessee, Nebraska, Michigan, no. Nobody can convince me that Nebraska is a better job today than that of Ole Miss or Mississippi State. You want to know how I know that? Because two of them are more successful than the other one in my lifetime, which is really all that matters when talking about sports and the current landscape. So thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, We're almost at 100 now, which would be a cool little milestone. My goal is to get to 300 by the start of college football season. I have not very long. Got about two months. A little less than two months, like seven weeks or so to get to 300. I don't know if I'll get there, but you guys can help. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I'll talk to you tomorrow at 8. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.